Welcome to Venue Church, and this is my uh, final message in the series, It Is Well, as in it can be well with my soul, I can be okay when it's not okay, when things are going on around me, they don't have to go on inside of me, and so uh, this is going to be a great sermon. It might be my favorite of this series because it's going to talk about something that I think we have missed in our culture and in our society. It is the secret sauce to how God works, and I can't wait to roll it out to you. I can't tell you it first because you would disagree with it, so i got to warm you up a little bit. Um, it's not, we've been talking in this series, it's not what you know in the storm, it's who you know. Who you know, Jesus, this is what I preached last week, Jesus already has the strategy for your life, he can see tomorrow, all we have to do is get on, get on board with what Jesus wants to do, and your tomorrow will turn out okay. Alright, I don't know about uh, this time for you right now, but uh, um, I think this time made me realize, like it's not what I know in a storm, it's who I'm with, it made me realize that uh, I need friends, and I need God more than I needed stuff. And I think an immature sort of life is one where it revolves around stuff. See, stuff doesn't anchor you in the storm. It's just stuff. And so in the old days, in the Old Testament days, and uh, it's no different today. It's just different today. In the Old Testament day, they would make a God out of stone or out of gold or out of um, Netflix or whatever and they would make a god and they would worship it and bow down to it and give to it and spend their time with it and uh, when you realize in moments like uh, we're experiencing right now in culture is that uh, a god made out of stuff is not a god at all and so i hope our concept of god is deepening uh, at this time of crisis but i hope um i hope jesus is no longer like santa to you because worshiping a big fat uh, guy in a suit in a red jumpsuit is a little bit weird, who rules over a bunch of elves with an iron fist. You know, I mean, it's, but I hope that your concept of Jesus is not like a Santa or like a baby Jesus anymore. Um, listen, when, when adult prayers are like my children's Christmas wish list, things get a little bit weird. Like, dear God, give me a red car. Oh God, I want that red car. You know, but when you're like 35 or 55, like God's like, oh, I could probably be doing more in your life than getting you stuff because stuff is not going to anchor you and the stuff is just stuff. Um, but kids' wish lists are super cute. This is what we found on, um, right before Christmas time one year when Katie was eight years old. I was talking with her about this the other day. Um, she just became a teenager. Uh, the week that I'm recording this in, which is a few weeks ahead of when you're getting this, but um, we found this on, uh, uh, when she was eight, we found this on the, this Christmas list on the fridge. It was four pages long. So we also threw in a, a session at the therapist. That was why Katie could be angry at Santa for not giving her four pages of her Christmas list. And um, I don't know why she put it on, on our fridge, as if Santa would be in our fridge. Um, anyways, but this is some of the items on her, on her uh, Christmas wish list. Uh, it's so cute. A hamster named Mr. Peanut Butter. Not just a hamster. He's got to be named Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, something fuzzy. And then dot, dot, dot. If pet named Mr. Fuzzy. Eight years old. And then she has comma money, comma a robot, comma. And then it says this all spelled sort of funny. Da Vinci. And then, it, uh, like a Da Vinci, I don't know if that was a toy at the time. And then in brackets, look up online. So she wanted something that she didn't even know what it was, and she wasn't really allowed online at the time, so she just wanted to get it out there just in case Santa, you know. And um, comma, a, hu a human hamster ball, 
in brackets, look up online. <laughs> she'd heard about something. She, she wanted it, but she hadn't researched it yet, so she just wanted to make sure it was on there. Um, here's, here's another one. A pet corn snake named Pipsqueak. <laughs> and then my favorite part, are you ready? This is why Katie will be going into business with her life, I think. $100, comma, 100 more dollars, like she's going to get $100. 100 more dollars, comma, lots more money. Show me the money, Dad. All right, Santa. Um, hopefully, listen, hopefully stuff no longer matters as much to us as it did before these times. Hopefully, who we're connecting with God and connecting with people, we really feel like that's the only reason that you're here on earth is to connect with God and to connect with people. That's where your purpose is to be found. But here's what I want to say. If pain, let's talk about pain today a little. If pain is not anchored in connection with God and people... It will carry you away. If pain is anchored in stuff, if pain is anchored in fear, if pain is anchored in anything except connection with God and people, it will take you eventually in your life to a place that you don't want to be. But storms have a great way of clarifying what really matters to us. And so I don't want you to waste the storm in your life right now. I know that it's hard, but there is something, there, there's a gift that's wrapped up in the storm and in the crisis right now. And I really don't want you to miss the gift that God would have you open up and find. They have a great way of clarifying what really matters to us. In Luke 8, we see one, Jesus, uh, one day Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. What they didn't know when they got into the boat was that the boat was going to head into a storm. Now, if your concept of Jesus up to this point in your life is sort of, um, maybe hasn't been developed yet, you may think that Jesus is baby Jesus or Santa, and so you would just assume that Jesus wouldn't ask you to sail into a storm. But the reality of it is, there are storms in life, and there's pain and suffering in life, there's sickness and disease. We know that Jesus doesn't cause these things, but he can use these things. To, to better your life, and, and I don't mean better your life with more stuff, I mean to actually make your soul healthy, to make you healthy, to give you purpose, to give you life after this life. It says, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Now, if your relationship with Jesus, if, if you have an immature Jesus in your heart and in your mind right now, um, that's not really Jesus' fault, but look, you have to understand, you can't get mad at Jesus when he has a nap in the middle of the storm. Um, it says, soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, um, and they were in real danger. Okay, so, so the danger that you're in is probably not as real as the danger that they're in. Like, in the next 10 minutes, they're all going to die. That's how bad it is. And so they're like, they're in, they don't know what to do, and this is happening right now. And here's Jesus. It says in the book of Mark records this, high waves were breaking into the boat, like over top can't breathe, can't, we don't know what to do. Like, we're going down and we're going to die in the next 10 minutes. And Mark, the, the, the author Mark was the spiritual son of Peter, I think. And so Peter was a fisherman. So like, Mark would have been talking to Peter about, okay, you, yeah. this is no joke. Right. It's a bad storm. These yeah. are, there's people in the boat who spend their entire lives on the water and this is bad. The disciples went and woke him up shouting. Can you imagine this? Like shouting this in Jesus' face. Master, master, we're going to drown. And Mark records this. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus, you big meanie. Like we're dying here and you don't even care. Uh, probably Peter. <laughs> um, it says when Jesus woke up, 
He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was, all was calm. And so, see, your response to the storm is very different than Jesus' response to the storm. So, um, Jesus' response to the storm was that he woke up and kind of took a look around him as if he didn't know what was going on. But, but see, he's not worried in this storm. Right. He has a plan for your life. He has all the power in the world to execute this plan. That's right. sure. He has all the peace that passes all understanding. He can put it in your heart. He can turn a switch on and bring peace to you. But his response to the storm is like my dad's response when I was acting up across the room sometimes uh, when I was a child. His, Jesus' response is kind of like not a huge, all this drama was coming into it and my dad used to remove drama with his eyebrow. He would just <laughs> lift his eyebrow and be like, what's up? And he wouldn't even have to say anything, but I would know that I needed to rethink my life plan right then. <laughs> Because I was doing something that was not what he thought I should be doing at the time, and it brought a sense of calmness to me if I didn't want to move to Mexico and live with a family there. And so, but this is what Jesus does. You've got to think about this. Jesus wakes up, and he looks at the waves right now that are freaking you out, and he looks at these waves, and he's like, seriously, waves? Seriously, economy? You're going to crash into my boat. Oh. Do you enjoy existing? Because I made you. And you want to sink my boat with my boys. Oh. Tell you what, wind and waves. Why don't you all step back a little bit? Or I'll just remove you. Because I made you. I created you. I am above you. And we are panicking. And Jesus is like, whoa. Quiet. My turn. Now, is, are you in Jesus' boat or not? That might be the question. Because some of us are panicking. Why? Because we're paddling a boat all by ourselves or just in our family in there. But Jesus, is, you're not in his boat. If you're in his boat, you've got nothing to worry about. So today in this sermon, let's get in his boat. Then he asks him, where is your faith, guys? You know, here's, here's part of the problem that I want to kind of start swinging into the main point of my message here is they didn't see God in that moment. They saw a carpenter. So they didn't see, see, they were fishermen, and they're like, God, Jesus, you don't even know how bad this is, because we live here, and we know, and let us inform you about the science of how bad this is. And Jesus is like, all you see is a carpenter right now? There's something in their attitude there that, that shifted. It says they were terrified and amazed, meaning before that, they weren't, they were terrified by the storm, but they weren't terrified by the son of the living God and amazed. They were terrified and amazed by all the wrong things. They were terrified and amazed by all the things that are happening around them that were going to sink them. But now they're terrified and amazed because who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Something shifted in their lives. And from that moment forward, nothing they did was the same. Everything changed in their lives. And, And let me... They moved from this whole like, hey, meet Jesus. He's my homeboy. Have you ever heard that? He's my homeboy. Jesus is like, uh, he's my homeboy. Just me and Jesus, you know, what's up? You know, like I'm a fisherman. He's a carpenter. Both dudes, right? Yeah. It went from that very familiar place to this like, ooh. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Who is this man? Terrified and amazed of the right one now. 
what it did, something shifted and changed. Listen, he can do things we cannot do. He is on a whole other, we are not even remotely on his level. What it did was it created space between them and God. And in that space, we find a miracle. When we are familiar with God as if he exists to pat you on the hand and he exists to put baby food in your mouth, when he is that close to you and he's like, Jesus is your best friend and just your buddy. Okay, Jesus is my friend, but there's so much more. When the space goes down, the miracles go out. There has to be this space. In the margin between us is where there's some, a word to be found in, in here. The more familiar I am, the less margin this is and the less margin I have for miracles in my life because he can only do what I allow him to do. He can only be who I allow him to be. No, 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 no. Familiarity removes the space between us and God where one word is, and this word will change everything. In this moment in the boat, a word enters into them that they'd never experienced in this capacity before. Canadians, we are awful at this. We are one of the worst cultures that I can think of at this, and that word is a word called honor. 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 A Christian church leader went over to, to, he was was an American, very similar kinds of cultures uh, as Canadians, and he went over to uh, the Orient, and, and they're like, he's like, explain to me how honor works. And they're like, you wouldn't even understand it. Like, we couldn't even define it for you. Like, you wouldn't even know. There's something in here that we have missed the move of God because we have not had a space in between us that where we won't go called honor. Now, now when, um, do your kids ever get worried about silly things sometimes? My, my little girl, Neela, um, a couple of years ago, she, I love how my family like lets me tell stories about them. She, <laughs> she, uh, she had a, a friend it was the summertime, and, they were, and, and her friend had just found out who their teacher was going to be in the fall. And so I think it might, might have been August in the city here. And, and her friend, as soon as she heard who the teacher was going to be, she burst into tears because the story floating around the school was that, that the teacher had at one time to a previous class, or to her, I can't remember who, had, had opened a door and hit her with the door. And then because she was the meanest teacher in the world, made her hold the door open while all the other kids walked in while she had hit her with the door. And Neela's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be taught by a door smashing teacher. I don't want to get hit by a door and then have to hold the door while I want to cry. And I just want to go to the bathroom. And she's like, and Neela's like super worried about this. And I could tell that she was worried about this. Um, But before I could deal with her fear, and talk her off the ledge because she ended up getting this teacher and it, it turns out that this teacher was a great teacher. And, and before I could talk to her and be like, I'm pretty sure that they don't let teachers smash kids with doors and then make them hold the doors open. But before I could do that, she had to give me permission, Neela and I, because like, we're buddies too, but, but she needed a father more than she needed a friend. And she had to give me the space to be dad. And if she wouldn't give me the space to be dad, and what I had to say meant as much as her friend had to say, and as much as the story that was circulating had to say, as long as, as, long as what I thought about it uh, had to do with what they thought about it and what they could do about it, because they can't do anything about it, but as long as she only gives me permission to be them, then she's not going to have peace in the storm. Uh-huh. Now, of all the problems I handled that day, as a Christian leader, as a father, of all the problems I handled that day, that problem took 0% of my energy 
And it actually brought amusement to me. It brought joy to my heart. I'm like, baby, let me explain to you how this works. First of all, teachers aren't allowed to smash children with doors. And then they're not allowed after smashing a child with a door to make them hold the door open and embarrass them in front of everybody. I don't think that it happened that way. Calm down. I think she's probably a great teacher. And in five minutes, Neela gave me the space to be dad. Because she has no idea of how I can change that atmosphere, even if it was true that she was worried about it, and it wasn't. Even if it was factual, and it wasn't. Even if it was the worst case scenario, she has no idea how powerful her dad is. You think I can't walk into that room and throw a chair across the room and be like, you, teacher, no more smashing kids into doors. I will mess you up. She had no idea. That, that what she could never do, I could do like that. And I would do it and get it on tape and put it on YouTube. And it would be amazing. And then she'd be like, I don't think I smashed a kid with a door and we're not allowed to. Listen, honor creates space for miracles. And you need a father in heaven more than you need a best friend. Especially now. Now, it can be a layered relationship, but I'll tell you what. Honor creates space for miracles. You have to be able to put a hat on called honor. You have to be able to create that space. It is not the Father's job to create that space for you. It is something only you can do. And in your human relationships, we have lost the art of honor. It is something you do. It is your gift to the situation. Don't get it mixed up with respect. Like, my dad didn't deserve honor. Yes, but you still honor your father and your mother. Why? That it may be well with you. That doesn't mean if he wants you to do something stupid or rob a bank that you do that. You have to honor God first. But listen to me. Listen to me. Respect is something you earn. Honor is something you give. Honor is my gift. No, no, no. Nobody can do this for me. You can't earn my honor. No, no. I honor whom God says that I should honor. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. Which means that even if you're not perfect mom and dad, you're still mom and dad. God still sent you there for a reason. Even if you're not good. Even if you're not good all the time. It creates space for you to be wrong. It's okay. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to honor the position that God gave you. And I'm not going to cross that. Now, God's ability is rendered powerless if you won't let him function as God. He cannot function in your life if you will not create a space between you and him and between you and his agents in your life. And there are many. If you will not create that space, God cannot function. Uh, Listen to this. Mark chapter 6. You you don't believe me? Listen. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So if anybody should know what he can do, it would be that, right? It would be the church. I'm going to preach to church people now. You might enjoy this if you're not a church person, by the way, because here comes the hammer. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the church, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all these this wisdom and power to perform such miracles. Uh, And then it says, then they scoffed. He's just, but my dad's just, but my boss is just, but my past just, my small group just, just. A carpenter, ready? They just get hung up on his being a tradesman. There's nothing wrong with being a tradesman. He was a carpenter because they didn't have electricity at the time. Or he would have obviously been an electrician. The best looking of all the trades groups, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> it may be a shock, but that was my training, was in electrical. It says, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph Judas, and Simon, his sisters live right here among us. Meaning we can see who he hangs out with. And then it says, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. That's very different than like, I couldn't or I wasn't ready. That's like, and I refuse yeah. to believe in him. Jesus told them a prophet is honored 
everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives in his own family. Meaning, dishonor thrives the most. It dis- it's, it's in dif- dysfunction in the heaviest regard around people that you are closest to. That is where we struggle with this the most. If the Queen of England knocked on your front door or had whoever she has knock on doors, knock on doors, you would respect her. But because we live with people and and breathe and go to restaurants with people and we work with people, we lose the art of honor because it's easy to lose and hard to gain. And listen, they were deeply offended, refused to believe in him. Have you ever considered this? I was thinking about this the other day. Did you know that God can only teach me something by offending what I already know about it? There is only one way to teach a student something they don't know or don't know as much as they need to know yet, and that is to offend what they think they already know. The only way he can teach you is to offend you. And then you get familiar and then you look and you're like, yeah, but that person who told me that, I don't need to listen to them because, and we do this age-old thing where we discredit the witness. Yeah, well, pastor said, and yeah, my boss, and yeah, yeah, my dad, and yeah, my mom. And we do this thing where we discredit the witness, but the only way that God can shift and change you is to hurt your feelings and offend you because you don't know everything yet. And you will not learn And be a learner if you don't have this space in between called honor. And because of their unbelief, it says he, the son of the living God, the prince of heaven who created them, who created the mountains, who he could not do any miracles among them except he placed his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Like, wow, you guys are really, really good at the wrong thing. How did you spend your whole life getting good at the wrong thing, Canadians? How did you even do it? Yay, you won the race, but you ran backwards. Yay. You crossed a finish line in the wrong track. Like, he was amazed. And I think if God came to you and I right now, if we were honest, maybe he wouldn't be amazed because we're amazing. Maybe he'd be amazed because we're really terrible at this. I don't want my father in heaven to be like, wow, Corey, you amaze me. You are so dishonoring. Like, wow, I didn't even know how you could live this close to me and be that dishonoring. You think to yourself, well, the higher I go, the more honor I get afforded to me. No, the higher you go, the lower you serve. Watch this. I cannot get it higher than the level of Jesus right now. Watch this. At the end of time, every knee will bow to Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and gives every piece of glory to the Father. There is one at the end of this road. There is, when, you, when, I honor, when I honor the people God has given me and put above me, I honor God ultimately. This is how Paul can say to the people under the Roman rule, you have no concept of what they suffered. Honor those who are governing in authorities. What do you mean honor? Honor the position that they hold under God. Well, what if they're, he's like, yeah, they're Romans. I get it. I eventually got killed by Romans is what he would say. Looking back now, like, yeah, no, I get it. Honor the position. There's something in there that allows God to function in your life. Woo! That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. Matthew chapter 24, this is a really odd little story recorded about Jesus. He says, he's talking about the day and the hour that he comes back for his own. And I cannot wait for that when he comes back for his own. Watch this. The exact day and hour? No one knows that. Because his disciples are like, just tell us so that just the day before that we can repent of all of our sins. 
and stop doing all the things that we're doing. And um, he's like, I don't know that. He's like, not heaven's angels, not even the son. He says, only the father knows. He tells you right there how to, how to template this. He's like, I don't know. Because do you know angels? No, he hadn't told you either. He does not consider that it makes him less to not know something. He's like, hmm, father didn't tell me. Maybe I don't need to know. Your life is so complicated because you would put yourself in the seat of honor and have to know everything and make all your strategies and all your decisions. And God's like, you don't have to know. Why don't you just do what I tell you to do? You don't have to know what your teacher is going to smash people with doors. You don't have to because I got you. You don't have to know what the economy is going to do. I got you. I got you. Just do what I tell you to do and create spaces of honor. This whole thing is a reset so you can create spaces of honor. He's saying, look, when I hear the trumpet, I'll go. When I hear the trumpet and Gabriel blows the trumpet, I'll be like, I guess it's time. It's time. All the angels are moving. It's time. Okay, I'll go. He serves lower than anybody else serves. He creates a space of honor even between himself and his Father in heaven. We got no excuse. But yeah, he's Jesus. Yeah, he's Jesus. He's in charge of everything but the one thing, and he gives it all back to God. Familiarity is the enemy of honor. You and I, because we want to feel important, we would pull ourselves up with this crabs in a bucket mentality because we look at a politician, we look at somebody, we look at rock stars, and we look at movie stars, and we would pull ourselves up to their level and try to feel important, but I'll tell you what, their lives are not any more fulfilling than your life is. They just got more stuff. And sin is fun for a moment until the rent comes due. And some people just got more sin to confess than the rest of us because they got more money than the rest of us. So maybe your life is good in that it's simple and that we're, come on, it can be a good thing. <laughs> Familiarity is the enemy of honor. Familiarity, meaning nobody can be above me because they're the only ones who are worth anything. And Jesus is like, what? God is looking at you as his child and he's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, if I was only in charge at work, if I was a supervisor, I'd be worth more. And God's like, as a, as a human? I think you're all worth the same. Yeah. Right. Sure. As a son or daughter of God, how could one son or daughter of God be worth any more than sure. another? I love all my kids the same. I tell each of them that they're my favorite. But what I don't try to do is cram each of them into the other's gifting sure. so that they feel important. No. Yeah. Oh my goodness, no. You're measuring yourself with the wrong measuring stick. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gift can be better than mine. Therefore, I have to rise to this. I think it was part of the curse of... of mankind that God said to, to dust, from dust you were made Adam and to dust you will return and I think we spend the rest of our lives trying to be significant but God in the end is like yeah no but you came from dust and you're going back to dust and like your significance is found in me so relax you'll never be more significant than you already are no matter what you do you might be more useful in your company sure but you're never going to be worth more to me as, a, as God And so this is what we get with this familiarity. Familiarity, when I fall for the trap of familiarity, I I fall for the lie that if I lift you up, that it makes me less. But the reality is is the opposite. When I lift you up, God lifts me up. And when I would, if I would just change my thinking about that, when, when I honor somebody else, I, I, if I lift you up and give you the honor, if I lift my wife up in honor, this is not just an authority structure thing, but listen, some of us do not honor our wives or our husbands or our children the way that we need to. God has given them gifts. You need to listen. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I, if I take the rub out the space of honor between my wife and I, and I honor that God gave her to me as a gift for my life, that God does not give his daughters away lightly, 
And I better be nice and, and right. tell the truth and lead well. And, you know, when I, when I rub that space of honor on all sorts of things, and some, I'm telling you right now, your marriage struggle is a lack of honor. It ultimately lands on God. Like, I don't honor you, God, for who this person is right now. And God is like, well, let's talk about who you are right now. Everybody wants me to counsel their husband. Oh my goodness. I can't counsel your husband unless he's sitting in front of me. I can counsel you. And God is like, look, the, we've lost a place of honor. I can't work in that situation. I can't work there because you have lost the ability to honor. You have made yourself familiar, too familiar with him. If you would just lift them up in your estimation, then I could lift you up. There's this other thing. There's familiarity, and we hear this. Familiarity breeds contempt. What is contempt? In Canada, contempt is not like just saying things because that's considered rude, and we're kind of UK decorum sort of deal in our society. Contempt can be unspoken judgments as well. So God would be like, okay, you know, dudes, if you just look at a woman and lust for her in your heart, but you don't actually commit the act, it's the same thing as committing the act, like you're still partaking in it. If you have judgments in your heart rolling around in bitterness and you just fail to speak them, that doesn't mean that they're not there. Speaking just lets us everybody else know what's going on. But uh, those things have been going on in your life. So, so contempt, familiarity breeds contempt. You ultimately, when you are familiar with people too much, you get familiar with God as well. I mean, he's just the gardener. He's just the carpenter, right? He, he just, we just don't see him working in, in our everyday lives. We lose the wow factor. Because we're jealous of their gift. And all we see when they're offering their gift to us, we just like, you're just making me feel bad because I don't have that gift. And they're like, what? In this time, we're contacting some of the churches in our area because it's in our heart to do this thing. We're just contacting some of them being like, how can we help? Like, I get church budget and I get what this is going to do. And like, how can we help? We're in the online spaces. Let us help if we can help. But if I start seeing this as a competition... And I don't look like, no, it's a son or daughter of God that I'm talking to over there. And I better help my brother and I better help my sister. And if you lose, then I lose. Like that's, no, 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 no. If you lose your effectiveness, people are not going to come to Christ in this community because they may only come to you. And I got to help you. I got to lift you up. But that doesn't diminish me. You know, then God lifts me up. And, and it's this, um, we lose the wow factor. This is what contempt would do. Um, I got a buddy in, a, in my small group. His name is Josh. And Josh is a plumber, which means that he probably can't spell his own name properly. But the... <laughs> There's always this thing between electricians and plumbers. Now, good plumbers are awesome, by the way. Yeah. I just haven't found any. But um, <laughs> I just can't stop. Lord, why would you give me all these jokes to use? Um, listen, just because I'm around a lot of plumbing doesn't mean I have a gift. So I had, had a gift for the electrical trade, and, which means that when plumbers would explain how they thought electricity would work, I would uh, nod and smile and laugh a little bit because they only knew enough to be dangerous about electricity. Yeah, right. and, um, but the reality of it is I only know enough about plumbing to be dangerous. So it would be like Josh coming over to my house and me pushing him out of the way in contempt and not honoring him and what his gift is, and him coming over to my house, and I'd be like, push him out of the way, and like, I'm going to put this toilet in right. And he's like, oh, we're equal now? And I'll be like, yeah. What I think matters as much as you think. And he'd be like, fine. And when your basement ceiling fills up with water, are we going to be equal then too? Um, it's this idea. What it does is it starts filling up your basement with water when you lack the honor. And um, some of you only know enough scripture, I'm just going to say it, uh, to be dangerous. Like, you don't know how to apply it. You read a little bit, and then you just kind of used it to get what you wanted, or I don't even know how you do it, but look, I, I actually do know how you do it, because I used to do it all the time, and I still kind of do it sometimes. But listen, listen, we only know enough about God to try to get what we want, and it makes us dangerous. Now, 
when I first started electrical, I started in electrical and then I worked for a carpenter for a while, but I had only learned like a couple of months and I didn't know anything. I just, just about knew how to kill myself. That was about it. And so he asked me to try to work on something, which I just about blew up in this house because I only knew enough to be dangerous. You have to, <laughs> you don't have to have their gift. If you lift them up, you get their gift. And you don't have to know everything they know. You get what they know when you lift them up in, in the estimation. Let them do what God put them on this earth to do. Now, one of the main growth-stunting factors, if you're a Christ follower, if you're anything, is to remove the place of honor. It not only stunts growth, but it's, it's, it stunts it, but it causes you to lose what you already knew at one time. Watch this scripture in Hebrews 5. There is much more we would like to say about this, uh, the author to the Hebrews writes, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Yeah. It just makes you stubborn. and Like, come on. He's like, I've already explained this to you 16 times. Like, you've been believers so long now, now I was talking to church people, got to say it, that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You missed a, a, a key principle in here. Watch. And he says, um, you're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk, there's one thing that drives me crazy. It's people who want to learn more about theology and more about the Greek words of whatever when they're not doing what they already know. Yeah. What is the point? Oh my, it just drives me crazy. Like, let's preach more theological sermons. And I'm like, well, you're not doing with the thing about loving and forgiving your wife. So why would I? So, you get all worked up. Just calm down. Just calm down. Calm down. It's the plumber's fault. Just calm down. Okay. Listen, for some... <laughs> If my toilet goes bad, please fix it, Josh. I love you. Um, <laughs> solid food is for those, listen, who are mature. Oh, it says for this, for everyone who lives on, someone who lives on milk is still an infant, in verse 13, and doesn't know how to do what is right. What does that mean? Solid food is for those who are mature, who through, listen, listen training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. If you won't subscribe to the training, which means one of you is the teacher and it's not you. They're the place where you get the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. But I know the difference between. And God's like, the author of the Hebrews is like, no, and that's the problem. You don't. You only get it one place. When you create the space of honor, they train you to get the skill to know in this situation what's right to do now. What's right to think now? How do I handle this fight in my mind? How do I, how do I deal with this ungodly situation at work? How do I, who through training have the skill? So I want to ask you one question today. Has your honor slipped in your life or have you never had it? Because some of our families never taught us anything about this. Well, that was okay up until this point in your life. But I'll bet you if you look back at the patterns in your life, you'll realize every relationship that I had, I rubbed this place out in the middle. And then it can't work for very long because honor is the oil in the machine. Honor allows every part to do its part. And it just, the spirit of God comes in there and works. But when you pull the honor out, you pull the spirit of God out because even Jesus can't work there. Would you join me today and draw a line and make a vow that you're not going to cross it? That's your part. And that's my part. You will notice if you do this that God will start doing the heavy lifting in your business right now. God will come in and start doing it. You've been trying to change your wife's heart and you will never be able to do that, man. I have tried it for 20 years and Aaron is extremely stubborn. And she tried it with me for 20 years. Only God can change the human heart. You can't, you can't even change your own heart. 
Put honor in there and let God come in and do the heavy lifting. Put honor in there and who is this man? Who is Jesus who can do all of these things? That's amazing. And you don't look like Jesus, but you're in a position here. I'm going to lift you up. And then in the lifting up, God is going to lift me up. Don't you need the grace of God in your finances right now? I do. I need the wisdom of heaven right now. Don't you need the grace of God in your marriage and your friendships? I do. Don't you need the grace of God to raise your kids, to run your company, to know what to do next for work? This place of honor is where Christianity starts. And some of us need to go back and relearn the basics of Christianity because our society taught us a whole different message about this. But some of you, you're just coming to God and I want to pray a prayer that brings you right back to God, right back into the family of God. But listen, the, the part of the currency of the family of God and how it operates is this thing called honor. He would have you honor your brothers and sisters. He would have you honor the people that he gives you to teach you. He would have you honor the people that he sends to correct you, your shepherds. He would have you honor himself. He would have you honor your ungodly boss at work. And I had a lot of them, and I still had to learn how to honor them the way that God wanted me to honor them. It is possible, and it's required if you're a Christ follower. Because God wants to work in your life, and he can only do it if there's honor. But join this prayer with me for everybody here. Father, I pray that, that for the person who is far from God, that they would say this word in their heart somehow, Lord, that, Father, I've dishonored you by trying to run my own life and trying to deal with my own sins and trying to make up for my sins with good things, but that's not how that works. I've been trying to connect with you, God, and I, in, in connecting you in my terms, it's dishonored you, and I'm sorry for that. Please rise to the place of honor in my life. You be Lord and master of my life. Come and forgive my sins by the blood of Jesus. Forgive me, and the rest of my life I give to you to serve you in your way, the way that you wanted it. God, to honor whoever you tell me to honor, to think however you want me to think. Father, for every Christ follower who has missed this for a long time, we've rubbed the line out between us, Lord. I pray that you would sharpen us up on the inside, Lord. Give us discipline and strength to give our word and keep it. Lord God, to do away with gossip and slander, to do away with crabs in a bucket and trying to pull down people above us, Lord. We need to lift up the people above us. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for healthcare workers. We need to pray for our bosses. We need to pray for our pastors. We need to pray for those, Father, in governmental authority in our cities. We need to lift them up, Father. And in lifting them up, Father, you will lift us up. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us at Venue Church. Just a couple things left here. Generosity is another thing that creates space between you and God that God can work in. And I want to say that when we honor God with the first fruits of what we earn, so my family, we, we tithe. It's this thing called the tenth. We give the tenth back to God. In this, God says, I'll stretch out the 90% to way more than it was before, and I'm going to take care of your kids, and I'm going to make sure that your crops bear fruit in the field because I'm God and I can do it. Let me do what my job is, and you quit worrying and trying to be my best friend. Let me just be God and Father, and I'll take care you, but I need you to invest to be able to do that because I can't use what you don't give. And Father, I pray that we would do this today as we are generous with you, Father, with people who are hurting the Venue Church helps right now. Lord God, I pray that you would multiply this offering, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Multiply it a hundredfold so that we can reach that many more people with the hope and love of Jesus Christ to show them, not just to give them a fish, but to show them how to fish, Father, I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. All right. Um, the next thing I want to do is invite you to venue groups. I want you, your best predictor of spiritual growth is to have four or five friends who go to church with you. You need your buddies. I need my brothers in the house of God. And you can start going to church with them, venue virtual right now until we can meet again. But that is the best predictor of spiritual growth. Your friends are already here. You just need to reach out and find them and be friendly. So go ahead and do that. Um, start a chat with somebody that's in the chat thing or whatever we got going on right now. Uh, let's start new habits that can benefit us forever. All right. Uh, NXT, if you want to go to take your next step with Venue Church, and I think that you should because you got nothing but time. 
Um, we'll show you the links in there to do that right now. All right. Join a group this uh, week and get involved and uh, really bless your your group this week. Bring encouragement and bring your strength to them. Pray for them. Let them know that you're praying for them. All right, last thing, I just want to pray this over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord says, I'm thinking thoughts of good towards you to give you future and a hope. And uh, Father, I thank you, Father, for that space of honor that we are now going to draw a line and not cross it towards you and not cross it towards people, Lord God. And I pray that in the, the space of honor, friendships would be formed, connections would be made, Father, and hope would come. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.